You work it out. All right, Acts 9, 1 through 6. Are you there? Okay, let's read together. Ready, read. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came to Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Again, verse 6 is very familiar. We've talked about verse 6 before. It says, And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. You'll be told what you must do. I want to talk tonight from this subject. Let the Lord tell you what to do. Let the Lord tell you what to do. Let the Lord tell you what to do. Father God, tonight we thank you for the opportunity we have now to spend this time in your word. I pray, Father, that you give me uh, uh, clarity. Give me, Lord, uh, 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 Lord, just utterance from heaven to speak things that I have not thought to. Lord, give me uh, an unction from heaven to do things and move in a way I have not seen already. And I pray, Father, your people have hearing ears, seeing eyes, receiving hearts, that as the word goes forth, it'll go forth swiftly and it'll be glorified among your people. Lord, have your way. Let the word not return to you void, but let it accomplish that which you please and prosper in the thing to which you sent it, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. and amen. All right, so let's go back. Remember, we weren't together last week, so we got a little bit of review to kind of pick up, amen, uh, if, in case you didn't go over the message from two weeks ago, three or four times, all right? So we've been basing everything, starting out in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, where uh, the Bible said that God uh, said, let us, God created man in his own image and according to his own likeness, right? So he made them male and female, he created them. Everybody say male and female. Male and Only two genders. All right, so God made them male and female. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Do what? Fill the earth. Come on. Subdue it. Have over the birds of the air and over every living thing. So notice we talked about God blessed them, and we said that the blessing is the power God gives to man to reproduce heaven on earth. The blessing is the power that God gives to man to reproduce heaven on earth. Then we said the blessing releases something called grace, which is divine ability, come on, divine wisdom and divine energy. So he releases this grace on purpose for this purpose, for the purpose of um, man reproducing heaven on earth. Y'all got it? All right, now, so this means that Adam was created then on purpose for purpose. Adam was created on purpose for purpose. Now, Adam um, represents us. He's the first one of us. 
So just like God created Adam on purpose for purpose, and Adam wasn't going to be the last person that, that, was, that came to this planet, that means you and I are also born on purpose for purpose. Right? We are born on purpose for purpose. Are you catching this? You're not an accident. Everybody say, I'm not an accident. God intended for me to be on this planet. All right? So I'm born on purpose for purpose. All right? So then God blesses Adam, and then, which means he empowers him. Then God releases that grace. I told you that divine ability. Okay? Now, we go back. So God gave Adam, the first thing God gave Adam was what? Huh? His identity. Come on, y'all. Come on, class. He gave Adam his identity, right? He made man in his own image. First thing he got, remember, we're talking about identity, purpose, assignment, and destiny. Okay, just remember that. iPad, okay? So the first thing God gave Adam was identity. He made man in his own image according to his own likeness. Okay, everything starts with your identity. And I keep telling you, that's why the devil is in, in such a, a, a war against people's identity. To get people to have a confusion about their identity. Make people identify as another gender, as another species. Okay? In, inanimate objects. Okay? Hallelujah. They're doing it and, and, and the devil's trying to get people at an early, very early age to have them uh, be confused about their identity because what comes out of your identity? Your purpose. All right? So God gave Adam after identity. He gave him purpose, right? He blessed him and said to him, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, or fill the earth, subdue it. And then I told you about his ultimate destiny, which was to have dominion, to have dominion. So God put Adam here, and meaning also he put us here to have dominion. So our ultimate destiny is dominion. We're, we're called to reign with Christ, right? We shall reign on the earth, the Bible says. If we suffer with Christ, we shall also reign with Christ. Amen? If we receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, according to Romans 5.17, Amplified Classic, we reign in life as kings. So God put us here, and our ultimate destiny is not be, to not be slum dwellers. Our ultimate destiny is not to be uh, third and second class citizens. Our ultimate destiny is to reign in the earth. Hallelujah. 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 So right now, everything that God has you doing, you're training for reigning. There's going to come a day where you're going to get a thousand years of, of hands-on, real, high, high, intense training. Right? The millennial reign of Christ. You know, we're not going to be the only ones here. When we have a, the 1,000-year the reign of Christ, the millennium, right? After the rapture and all that kind of good stuff. They're all the sin is going to be here too, and but we're going to be reigning over all of them. I mean, in 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 I mean, in spades, just knowing that they are under us. Did you catch that? Hallelujah! And so everything we're doing now is training for reigning. We're called to dominion. That's our destiny, right? So Adam has his identity. We've talked about that. Adam has his purpose. We've talked about that. We've talked about Adam's destiny, the ultimate place where he's going. But we want to deal with what was, what was Adam's assignment. So let's go back to Genesis and let's see again what was Adam's assignment. All right? 
So let's look at his, his assignment, or what I want to call his first assignment. We, let's look in Genesis chapter 2, Genesis 2, and uh, let's look at verses 8 and 9 first. Verses 8 and 9, Genesis 2, 8, 9. Can everybody find Genesis? All right, good. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, as the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, okay, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of what? Okay, now let's drop down, please, uh, for sake of time, to verse 15. We're going to read verses 15 through 17. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. Y'all have it? What does it say? It says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. To do what? So we know Adam now has an assignment. We know his identity. We know his purpose. But now we learn his first assignment. He put him in the garden to tend. That word tend means, uh, King James used the word dress. Uh, It literally means to cultivate, to till it, to to when you cultivate something, um, you, 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 are, you are doing, uh, carrying out actions to increase its growth. So that's why we try to get you to understand that God put Adam in the garden, but the rest of the earth did not look like the garden. In fact, we talk, read about, about the, the history. I don't have time to go back to it, but early in chapter 2, it talks about how, how uh, God, uh, he, he had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man until the ground. So all over the earth, there was no rain coming, and, and the reason he wouldn't let it rain was because there was no man to cultivate it. So because, to, to produce something, he needed a man to cultivate it. So what God did was God put Adam in the Garden of Eden in something that already looked perfect and said, now cultivate that. Grow that. Cause that to begin to spread. You know, there there are some some plants, some shrubs, there are some grasses that run. They run. You plant a good St. Augustine in your your yard, that St. Augustine, if you take care of it, it'll run, it'll spread. Before you know it, your neighbor will have free St. Augustine. Because it'll run. So when you take good care of it. So God wanted, wanted Adam to get in this garden, tend it, dress it, keep it, cultivate it, and make it run. So this is his assignment. So he put him in the garden and, and, uh, to tend and keep it. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be what? I will make him a what? Helper comparable to him. So notice God gives Adam this assignment to dress this garden, to cultivate it, to keep it, to cause it to grow out of the garden all over the world. And God says, it's not good for him to do this by himself. I have to give him an assistant. I have to give him an assistant. That's what a helper, y'all know what helpers are. A helper is an assistant. 
Hallelujah. Now, y'all wives, don't get mad at this. This is just, just, just take, take, take a revelation. And so God says it's not good for him to be alone because he needs an assistant. I'm going to make him an assistant. Now, so he says this after he gives him the first assignment. But he doesn't give him the helper, the assistant yet. Verse 19, let's keep going, let's keep going. Hallelujah. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. So we now see Adam's second assignment. Oh, man. Are y'all seeing this? Is, this is pretty plain to me. I don't know about you. His first assignment is you dress this garden and you keep it. Your second assignment is to name these animals. And so God brought him to see, to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Right? Verse 20. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, here, here it comes again, there was not a, found a helper or an assistant comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up uh, the flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from from man, he made her to a woman, and he brought her to the man. Y'all got it? So when did Adam get his assistant? After he got the assignments? After he completed the assignments. So in other words, Adam didn't need an assistant. God knew Adam needed an assistant, but he didn't give him one until he showed approved. Okay, this is it. God knew, remember because we read in verse 18, God knew he needed an assistant. But God didn't, didn't provide the assistant until he proved he could handle the assignment. Because the assistant is part of the assignment to help you fulfill your purpose. So if you, don't, if you don't prove you can handle any assignments, then you prove you're not ready for an assistant. This is just for all the husbands and the um, hus wannabe husbands I'm talking about here. And the wannabe wives. So the wannabe, the wannabe husbands, you got to first prove that you even need an assistant. How do I prove I need an assistant? By making sure you handle the assignments God has given you. This is this a, this a word for the wannabe wives. Don't ever join yourself to somebody who's not proven that they can handle the assignments they already have. Because when you come along, when you come along, you become another assignment to him. <laughs> Hallelujah. So don't, don't let yourself be assigned to somebody who's already proved they can't handle assignments. Okay, so the first assignment, dress and keep it, which means, watch this, if you understand, if you understand gardening, gardening, the person who, who, who handles a garden is called the husband. Husbandry relates to gardening. So, that's what Jesus said in John 15, my father is the husbandman. 
Talking about the, the one who takes care of the garden. My father is the husband. I'm the vine dresser. My father is the husbandman. So a husbandman, a husband shows that they know how to take care of something already. So if you got a guy who keeps proving he, don't, he doesn't know how to take care, doesn't know how to address and keep, he doesn't know how to cultivate, doesn't know how to, how to cause something to grow, then he's showing he's not yet ready. He doesn't need an assistant yet. And then the second assignment, the second test before he got his assistant was to, to, to see, did he hear from God? Y'all missed it. He, he gave Adam naming rights, but he had to name them right. You, you, you missed what I said. He gave Adam names. He brought the animals to him to see what he would call them. What God's listening out, are, are you discerning? Are you hearing my voice? So once Adam proved he was in sync with God, he said, okay, now I'm going to give you the assistant that you need. Because you know what he did? Once he, once he gave the assistant, now Adam named the assistant. Come on. Come on. Come on. So you want to make sure he's hearing before he puts his name on you. Okay, that's just, all right, that's your, that's your marriage moment. Okay. All right. Marriage one-on-one. Okay. Now, okay, so, so, I want you to understand, though, the assignments came from God. He didn't put Adam there and say, okay, Adam, just figure out something to do. The assignments came from God. All right, now, we talked about this last or two weeks ago. Uh, we asked the question, how do I discover my identity? How do I discover my identity now? Y'all just forgot in the word. See, the word is what I go through to find out who I am. See, see, the word, I, I base my image, my identity off the word because the word reveals God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So, so, so I want to find out who I am from the word. See, I know some of y'all why I ask God. Okay, but listen, the first thing you're learning is your identity, which means this is, your, this is in your beginning phases. And if, if, you're, if you have not uh, gotten acquainted with the word, then you don't know his voice yet. And if you don't know his voice, you won't be able to distinguish between his voice and a satanic voice who will try to tell you something about who you are. And he's a liar. So guess what he's going to do? He's going to lie to you. He's going to tell you you're an apostle. And, and God said, I didn't tell you no, you're no apostle. Oh, you follow? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying you can't be an apostle. What I'm saying is if, if, you, if you've not gotten yourself rooted in the word of God, then the devil will come along and you say, well, apostle sounds good. Yeah, but is that what God said? You see? All right. So I get my identity from the word. Then I ask, how do I, how do I discover my purpose? And I told you that it's by revelation. Okay? Now, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 19. I want to read that again. In fact, I probably will skip through a little bit of that. Ephesians 1, and I'm in the uh, message translation. It should, should have that message translation. Hopefully y'all got that. All right, good. Um, so Paul says this, and in fact, I'm going to skip to the second screen on that. I, wanna, I don't want to read all that. He says, but I do more than, than thank. In other words, thanking God for you. He said, I ask 
ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, of our who? Of our master. Don't forget that. Of our master, Jesus Christ. Say it again. Our master. And I know some of y'all black folk don't want to hear that. But listen, our master, Jesus Christ. Oh, it's Juneteenth. Master, Jesus Christ. You can't be offended by those words. Of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory. We can't call it Master Baron no more. Now we got to call it the owner suite. Now we got to call it the primary suite. Shut up. Everybody's so woke and stupid. It's a master suite, man. I'm the master of the house. My wife is the mistress of the house. Anyway, of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you what? He can make you intelligent. My God, that's the good. I didn't see that. But that's good right there. Somebody say, Lord, make me intelligent. God can, I don't care what your IQ was. I don't care how you, he can make you intelligent. Y'all not saying anything to me. I said, he can make you intelligent. Lord, make me intelligent. Hallelujah. You can get straight A's, kids. Y'all and kids don't say anything. Straight A's, that's what I expect from here on out. Make you intelligent. Hallelujah. And discerning in knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that, remember this from last week, so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. So he wants us to see exactly what it is he is calling us to do. do. Not be, do. do. So there are some things that we are going to be, or we, we know we're going to be, but what we, what we, if you allow, be will dictate what we do. Hallelujah. The very first thing when the Bible says Jesus went and prayed all night and he came down off the mountain and he called his, uh, all his disciples to him. And the Bible says he chose, he called out 12 of them, who we called apostles. And the Bible says he chose them, he called them to be with him. So the first thing he did was he brought them into a closer relationship with him. Before he gave them assignment on what to do, he wanted to get them with him so he could give them more of their identity and their purpose. Once he gave them their identity and purpose from being with him, to be with him, to be with him, now he tells them, now I'm going to send you out. I want you to go here and I want you to go there. Now they get assignments. Are y'all hearing this here? So, so he wants to, us to know exactly what it is God is calling us to do. Okay? So there's something God is calling every one of us, something or some things that God is calling every one of us to do. All right, now, let's get into discovering our assignments. We discover our identity. We discover our purpose. How do I discover my assignments? Assignments. Okay, let's go back to Acts chapter 9, plural. More than one. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Acts chapter 9, and um, it says again here in verse 1, Then Saul, now, well, later on, you, if, I, if I call him Paul, don't be offended. All right? Saul and Paul are the same person. Right? 
Uh, why, why are we calling him Saul and some call him Paul? Because uh, Saul was a born a Hebrew, but born a Roman citizen. So his Roman name is Paul. So he hears about a preaching, how God changed his name to Paul. God never changed Paul's, Saul's name. God never changed Saul's name to Paul. He was born a Roman citizen, a Hebrew by birth, but born a Roman citizen. Got it? So in Hebrew, they say Saul, but as a Roman citizen, they say Paul. Got it? Okay. So if I say Paul, don't get mad at me. All right. So then, then Saul, breathing out uh, threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of, the, of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. He's almost there. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, now remember, he's persecuting people. And Jesus says, you're persecuting me. Because when you persecute the body of Christ, right. it's Christ. Right. So that's to prove to you how God, how Jesus sees us. Right. You're catching that here. That proves how he sees us. He said, well, you're persecuting them. You're persecuting me because I, they are my body. Okay? All right. Now, so he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goals, the prick. It's hard. It's, in other words, Paul, uh, this is not going to turn out well for you to keep doing this. You're going to hurt yourself, son. Okay? Now, verse 6. This is our main scripture. I want to go right there. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord... What do you want me to do? Now, we talked about that, how, how this, is, this is a question uh, that I say is, is the most important question that we can ask when we're trying to find out uh, our, our assignments and our purpose in, in the kingdom of God. Is, Lord, what do you want me to do? Why? Because that question is a question of surrender. Now, I want you to hear me, and I, I appreciate you all being here. You're the Wednesday night crew, but most, most Sunday-only folk, Never get to this place. Most Sunday-only folk only have in mind what they want the Lord to do for them. I'm going to come on this side. Most Sunday-only folk, most online-only folk only have in their mind what they want the Lord to do for them. But it takes a person who is surrendered to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? What is it? What do you want me to do? It's a place of surrender. It's a place of submission. It's Paul saying, okay, hey, I give up. Not my will, but your will be done. In other words, I had a life plan. I was on my, on my donkey, on, my, on my, my mule, whatever he's riding, heading into town. I'm about to whip some tail down here. But obviously, you're bigger than I am. You're more powerful than I am. I can't deal with what, what you're trying to bring against me. And so I surrender myself to you. What do you want me to do? Once he understood who he's talking to, and he said, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. He said, okay, uh, all right, what do you want me to do? And we have to come to a place where we ask that question always, Lord, what do you want me to do? Yes, sir. Y'all didn't say anything. Oh, Lord, Lord, 
what do you want me to do? In Romans 10, 9, y'all know this scripture pretty well. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with your mouth the what? Lord Jesus. And believe in your heart, God has raised from the dead, you shall be saved. So most people receive the salvation. He is my savior. But the Bible said the very first thing you must confess is that he is Lord. That word confess doesn't mean, oh yeah, I admit, oh yeah, he is the Lord. No, no, you're declaring. That word confess means to declare and come into agreement that Jesus is Lord. Not, he didn't say if you confess um, the baby Jesus. <laughs> right? Confess the healer Jesus. He said confess the Lord Jesus. So my confession, my declaration is I am saying I'm, I'm, that he is Lord. Not just that he is Lord. I'm saying he's my Lord. So when I say he's Lord, that creates a different relationship. Now thank God when we get born again, we're now children of God. Remember how we kept reading that word master? Hallelujah. Master Jesus Christ. Master Jesus Christ. And it takes a person who is um, humble enough to submit themselves to the lordship of Jesus. And most people don't want to do that because lordship means that now I am getting, taking myself uh, off of the throne of my own heart. I'm getting out of the driver's seat of my own life. And I'm letting Jesus take the wheel. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, let's go back to verse 6 because um, here's the answer and which also then makes a statement to us. Verse 6 again, he says, So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said, Arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Now, I don't know about you, when I read that, that sounds, because, you know, Don and I have been talking about Jesus, his, his character, his personality, and most people have this kind of this uh, a Hollywood Jesus mindset, and Jesus is always so, you know, nice and easygoing and mellow out. But um, Jesus, I don't get the impression that when in this scene between him and Paul, he was talking nice. Okay, y'all not too. Put this up in a scenario. I want, I want you to think. Saul is on, matter of fact, in the previous chapter, he, he assisted in the homicide, in the assassination of Stephen. And remember what happened when Stephen looked up into heaven, where the Bible normally says Jesus Christ sits on the Father's right hand, Stephen said, I looked up and I saw Jesus standing. Y'all not catching this. You, you better, I want you to see the scenario. In, in just in the previous chapter. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
Stephen is being stoned to death, and he sees the one who's normally seated standing. Why is Jesus standing? And people, people, all, people all, you know, I know the nice preachers say, oh, Jesus is standing to receive Stephen. Oh, no. Jesus is, the Bible calls him the Lord of angel armies. Come on, come on. Watch out now. He called, the Bible calls him the Lord of angel armies. And when he sees one of his boys being murdered, he stands up. All right, what? Wait, God is, no, 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 Jesus is. Because he's telling his boy, hey, mount up. We about to go. Because, you know, this is what, what they do. How do you know, pastor? Because remember when Jesus Christ was going to the cross and on the cross, and they were talking about, if you can save yourself, come down. And he said, I could call a legion of angels. I could call a legion of angels. If I wasn't willing to go through this, I could call a legion of angels and say, hey, come get me. And they come wipe all y'all out in one minute. This is how they respond. And so here it is now. Now we're in chapter 9 where Saul is on his way. The same Saul who was consenting to Stephen's death, the same Saul is on his way to Damascus. He's about to roll some heads down in Damascus. You think Jesus has a nice attitude? Uh, Saul, Saul. Saul! Y'all ain't missed. Y'all. Saul! He's confrontational. I mean, he already knocked him off his beast. He already slapped him right off his beast. This says, verse 3, as he journeyed, he came to Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around from heaven. Then he fell to the ground. Well, the Bible didn't say the light knocked him off. I'm... Uh, well, you can't prove that. Okay, well, I, I can't preach it. If I can't preach it, if I can't prove it, I ain't going to preach it. But I'm just throwing my opinion in here. Right here. <laughs> Jesus, I'm thinking about slapping him. <laughs> and so, so this, is not, this is not some nice, cutesy conversation. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? This what? No. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. Remember, he ain't no lamb no more now. He's a lion now. You are persecuting it. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. So now, when... When Paul, Saul, asked him, what do you want me to do? Jesus says, arise, go into the city, and I'm going to tell you later. That's, re that's really, that's, that's my interpretation. Y'all got to, you just get up, go down there, arise, get up, go down there, and I'm going to tell you later. Is this all right, Elder Baker? I mean, Everybody has this old cute, you know, cutesy little. Jesus wearing Birkenstocks and, you know, all of. Okay. 
Okay. <laughs> so he says, go. Here's the answer. He says, go into the city and you'll be told. You will be told. You will be told. Not you gonna, we're going to offer you something, suggest something, propose something. You will be told. Oh, I don't know if y'all get this. You will be told what you must do. Not, not I'm, I'm, I'm going to make you an offer. I'm going to give you an option. And, no, you're going to be told. Y'all better get this here tonight. Hallelujah. See, because we got to make sure we're not living in this, in this ultra-modern Christianity where, where God lays out all these different choices. Oh, well, you know what? Did you feel? Well, you, oh, you don't feel like doing it? Okay, don't worry about it. No, God said, I'm going to tell you what to do. What you must do. Hallelujah. So notice, what did he say? He said, do what? Go into the city. In other words, you remember Pastor Kim preached about on the position to hear? So first thing you got to do is, is, is obey. Arise. Okay, I got to get up from here. And I got to go into the city. Now he's blind by now. He don't even know how to get here. He's got, hey, get, y'all get me down to the city. This, this, this Lord told me to get to the city because he told, he going to tell, he, he better tell me something. All right? Everybody say this, say this, free, free. moral, moral. Agents. agents. Now that's what God, how God made us, free, moral agents. Meaning, when people ask, well, if God knew that sin was going to come on the world, why didn't he stop Adam and Eve from eating the fruit? Why didn't God just slap the fruit out of their hands if God knew all his evil was going to come? Because God made us free moral agents, which means he gives us, us the freedom to choose right or wrong. He gives, gives us, watch this, the freedom to obey or disobey. Dogs don't have that choice. Y'all understand? I said dogs don't have that choice. Because dogs do what God programmed dogs to do. Deer don't have the choice to disobey God. They do exactly what God programmed them to do. That's why you don't see male deer with male deer. Because they can't, they don't have the ability to choose. Hallelujah. They're programmed one way. And the problem with man is because man is a free moral agent, then man can choose. That's why God said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. So in other words, give you a choice. He said, but I'm going to give you a hint, fellow. He said, therefore, choose life so you and your seed may live. Now, I'm giving you a choice, but I'm going to give you a recommendation on which choice to make as to which way you want to go. Okay, so because of this free moral agency, we have been uh, sometimes uh, it, it's it's it, it it takes a a mature or a an humble person to accept being told what to do. Oh, hallelujah! And we have this mindset. I'm a man too, or 
I'm my own man or whatever, whatever. And my question for you is, can you be told what to do? <laughs> and and y'all are saying, oh, yeah, 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 God can tell me anything. Okay, okay, here's the problem. Bef before God tells you what to do, he lets you practice with people telling you what to do. See, and if you already are a rebellious-hearted person with people that you can see, don't tell me you're going to obey God who you cannot see. So the devil has been rebellious from the very beginning. And the devil breeds and perpetuates rebellion. That's what we see, Re children rebelling against parents, people rebelling against authority, people rebelling against, against uh, civil authority, government authority, church authority, family authority. He, he breeds and he perpetuates rebellion. Why? Because if he can get you to become a rebellious per person by nature, you are not going to obey the voice of God when you hear it. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible says something like in, in Hebrews 13 about obey those who have rule over you. Well, I said, there's a man just like I'm a man. I ain't got to obey no man. You know, man tell me nothing. Well, if you ain't going to go, obey no, some man you can see, you are not going to obey a God who you can't see. Come on. Come on. You are a lie. Deke, I'm going to tell you something. Yes, sir. You, you've been married 35 years now? Yes, sir. You've been married 35 years? Deke <laughs> 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 around was like. <laughs> no, he knew he's 35 years. And uh, back when you got married, well, I don't know. Let me see. Back when my parents got married, I'm going to go back that far. My, my parents actually got married in uh, 1958. January 2nd, 1958, my parents got married. And uh, when my parents got married, when they exchanged vows, the bride would say, I will love, honor, and obey. Yeah, it was in your vows, okay? Y'all got married 35 years ago. So that was 1988. Okay. All right. That's that quick math. Yeah. All right. So, so, um, so, isn't it? So y'all know it. To love, honor, cherish, whatever, and obey. Now you. Now what the devil has done is he's gotten, gotten uh, couples fancy now. So now we're going to write our own vows. Y'all ain't saying much to me. Now we're going to write our own vows. And now, now the wife doesn't promise to obey. She said, I promise I will watch sports with you every once in a while. And, you know, I promise, you know, I will, I will be there for you in your darkest hour. And, you know, when you, when you don't, I'll wash your clothes every once in a while. And, you know, I'll go, I'll go to family reunion with you and, you know, I'll do all that kind of stuff. And she's not going to ever say, I'm going to obey. 
Now we think, oh no, we, we, this is just modernizing marriage. What it has done is created rebellion in marriage. Boy, y'all quiet in this Baptist church. Boy, they don't want to hit it. It's created re rebellion in marriage. Who do you think you're talking to? Well, the Bible said that the head of every woman is the man. I better preach back here. The Bible said the head of every woman is the man. The issue that Eve brought on with her rebellion from God was that God said that your desire shall be towards your husband. Y'all quiet up here, I know. Y'all men better say something. I ain't got to obey him. I work a job too. I work a job too. So what happens is you're being trained in rebellion. Boy, I, I didn't, I, this is not in my notes. I didn't plan on this. Oh my God. Oh my God. What did I step into? I did not mean, Lord, why you take... Okay, I got to do it. Okay. Lord have mercy. Trained in rebellion. We ain't going to be no obedience up in here. No, 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 partners. We side by side. No. The head. In terms of order. We may be side by side in terms of our working together. But in terms of divine order, well, y'all quiet up in the devil's church. Hallelujah. I ain't going to obey nobody. And then when the children act up, I don't know why them children acting up. And, and, and let, me, let, me, let me help, help y'all out now. And one of the problems is the reason why families are out of order is because the husband, remember it says the, the head of every woman is the man, but the head of every man is Christ. And the problem is the men are not obeying Christ. And the Bible says, and the head of Christ is God. Christ is always obeying God. At some point, the chain of command gets broken. When it hits man. And if the man is not obeying God, then we got a problem. It's the truth. Men, you, we have to obey God. We have to obey God. We can't complain about the wives not obeying us if we're not obeying God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I didn't mean to get into that. Let's get out of that pretty quickly. Let's get out of that. Hallelujah. My, my, my point is, is that the, 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 the enemy wants to bring this rebellion. This rebellion. Give, me, uh, first, give me 1 Samuel uh, 15 and uh, 23, I think it is. 1 Samuel 15, 23. 1 Samuel 15, 23. Says, uh, in fact, go to 22. I think I, I give me 22. Uh, so Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying? obeying. Come on. The the Behold, to obey. Come on. Yes. And to heed. Yes. 
for rebellion and stubbornness because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king, from reaching your royal destiny. If you don't obey God's voice, you will not reach, you will not maintain or reach your destiny of reigning. Are you hearing this tonight? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So again, the problem lies in that we are free moral agents and and when it comes to, I mean, everybody wants, that. there aren't many Christians who don't want to know their purpose. I mean, people in the world, secular world, are seeking out their purpose. They'll go and sit on a mountain in Tibet somewhere to try to find, I just want to know what life is all about. I want to find out what my purpose is. So people in the body of Christ will go to a, to a conference, to a retreat, to a, to, a, to a seminar, trying to find out their, I want to know my purpose. Okay, purpose isn't your problem. Because purpose, listen to this, 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 this very, very key here. Purpose is general. So all of us have a same general purpose. And then if you, if you get in, in revelation with God, you will find out even your particular purpose. But the problem doesn't lie at the purpose level. The problem lies at the assignment level. Because the assignment level is where God tells you what to do. And most folk get excited about what they're going to be, but don't get excited about what God tells them to do. Y'all ain't got to say nothing, but we don't get excited about what God tells us to do. We get excited about what we're going to be. Oh, I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that. But what about when God now gives you the specifics on what to do? Uh Uh-oh. Because, see, I wasn't planning on doing that. I'm going to come over here. Wait, Lord, see, I, 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 I wrote out my 10-year plan, and that it wasn't in my plan to do that. But the question is, can the Lord tell you what to do? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, can he? In Luke 6, 46, Jesus asked this question. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Hallelujah. I want to know my identity, Lord. Show me who I am. Oh, we love that. God, help me to know my purpose. And we can, oh, my purpose is to glorify God. And my purpose, oh, is to lead people into the presence of God. That's my purpose. Okay, now when he gives you assignment of showing up at the church at 5 a.m. for six months to pray, See, the, perp- the, the problem isn't at the purpose level. It's at the assignment level. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh. Oh, no. My purpose is to, is to be a great prophet. Okay, now come here, Elisha. 
What I want you to do, your assignment is to wash Elijah's hands. Y'all, 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 no, y'all. Y'all miss it. When, when Elijah found Elisha and threw his mantle on him, he didn't tell him what his assignment was. He only helped reveal his purpose. But now the assignment is, I, I need you to wash my hands for me. I need you to tend, carry my stuff for me. And because, now remember, remember there, thank you, Holy Ghost. Elijah had a whole school of prophets. But only one received the mantle. Because all other fellows, they were in the school. But they didn't take on the assignment of attending to the prophet. So they didn't get the mantle. They matriculated through his school, but they didn't get the mantle. Because everybody is excited about my purpose, my purpose, oh, my purpose, purpose, my purpose, my purpose, purpose, a purpose, purpose. Now, we need purpose. I preached three weeks or two weeks on purpose, so I'm not against purpose. I want you to know your purpose. But after that, now the nitty gets to the gritty. It is, is what about now the, when God gives you an assignment that you don't like? You don't like it. You don't like it. So you don't do it. When he gives you an assignment that's not in your plan, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not something you, had a, you, 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 you thought you'd be doing. Not knowing the assignment is a fulfillment of the purpose. I must be open to God's direction. I must be open to God's direction. Because my assignment may differ from my plans. My assignment may differ from my plans. Proverbs 16.9 says this, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs, come on, his steps. Steps. All right, give me give me five, six more minutes. Uh, my clock never started, but I got this clock. Okay, so okay. All right. Now again, I want you to get this here. Your your purpose is general in nature. You understand that? So when God gives you a purpose, He tells you, okay, this is what what your what your life is all about. This is what your life is all about. Okay. I'm talking about even your purpose. When he reveals to you your individual purpose, he speaks in generalities. My purpose is to, is to, is to preach the gospel. My purpose is to preach the gospel. But beyond my purpose, he'll give me specific assignments. I'm assigned to this congregation. It may be more enticing to go to Atlanta with everybody else. But I'm not assigned to Atlanta. I'm assigned to St. Petersburg, Florida. Y'all got to get what I'm saying to you. See, because the assignment may be different than your plans. 
we have people who just up and move because, well, I, I don't like this over. I'm going to go over here somewhere. Well, you're, you're not being led by the Spirit. You're being led by your own mind. They that are led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. So within your purpose, you will receive assignments from God. I, I want to equate it to uh, a career versus your job. Okay? Now, when I say career versus your job, I'm, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about the level of job you have. I'm talking about the fact that you're, when you are in a particular career field, you may work various jobs within that career. Do you understand that? You may work various jobs within that career. If you, for example, if you, some of people here are educators. If you are an educator, that's your career. You may not always be a classroom teacher. You may be assigned to be a, 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 uh, a, 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 an assistant principal, or you may be uh, assigned to, to be a specialist. You may be assigned to become a, a guidance counselor or whatever. You may work various jobs within that career. But it's all one career. So when God gives your purpose, it's general, but you must be receptive to him about your assignments. Because the assignments will have a time and a place. All within your career. Are you hear what I'm saying to you? Which means you must be flexible. You must be flexible. Again, I'm asking you, can the Lord tell you what to do? In other words, you can't even get so comfortable uh, in, one, in one part of that that when God says, okay, I'm ready for you to move on to something else, you say, no, 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 I'm comfortable right here. God, he's not, he not, not caring about you being comfortable. He's trying to get you to your next assignment because it's part of your purpose. Hallelujah. And assignments may change. I don't have time to get into it tonight, but I get into it next week, Lord's willing. I'm going to show you that, that, that um, God, he'll move you from sometimes from assignment to assignment. And you can't let um, money be the issue. Uh, you can't let familiarity be the issue. Because sometimes the assignment may take you somewhere where it make, you make less money. Y'all, you better, y'all, you better come back for that next week for that. But, but if you're on assignment, then, um, then, 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 it, when you're on assignment, I, I, I'm gonna explain the way I heard brother, brother Bill Winston said, um, uh, put in our terms. If you're on assignment, then your prosperity doesn't come from your job; it comes through your job. So it doesn't matter then what the job is. If it's the assignment from God, then God can still make you wealthy if you're, if you're putting up fries at McDonald's, if that's where he assigns you. Y'all right. yes, ain't saying nothing to me. See, y'all, you're, 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 listen, y'all got to get this, ladies and gentlemen. You got to get this. You, 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 oh, God. Uh, I think it's Jonathan Ferguson. He says, I'm not on a salary, I'm on assignment. You, you, have to, you have to look at what the, what the assignment is. 
Because if you are salary driven, you will, you will lock into a salary and miss out on the assignment. You will not be flexible. And God's trying to get you somewhere over here where it's not, this is, this is what I want you to do. Remember your purpose? Remember your purpose? I'm trying to get you over here. Okay, let's wrap it up here. Um, let's go to Acts 13. Acts 13. Show you a couple of things and we'll quit. Acts 13. Because assignments are very specific and you must, you and I must be open to God's direction. Okay, Acts 13, uh, verses 1 through 5. You get there, say amen. All right, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the what? Work, Work to which I have called them. So what is he releasing them now? An assignment. Paul is already in his purpose. He's releasing an assignment to Paul. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. All right, verse 4. So being sent out by who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one directing their steps here. They went down to Seleucia and from there sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. So notice they were in Antioch and they were working. They were working on one assignment, but God says, no, I want you to now separate for another assignment. This is what I'm telling you. You have to be flexible enough to hear God's voice when he says, okay, time to root up from there. I want to send you over here. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Okay, go over please to chapter 16. Chapter 16. Chapter 16. Let the Lord tell you what to do. Don't let your pocket tell you what to do. Let the Lord, don't, don't let your comfortability tell you what to do. Don't let your 10-year plan tell you what to do. Let the Lord tell you what to do. Hallelujah. Acts 16, verse 6 through 10. It says, now, when they had gone through Phrygia, this is Paul and, and uh, uh, Timothy joins them now on, on, their, on, on their journey. Paul and Silas, Timothy joins them, okay? Verse 6, now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, Watch this. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, when it says they were forbidden, it means that they must have wanted to. They must have been trying, thinking, let's, let's go down there. I mean, this is, this is what we do. We're preachers. We're going to preach everywhere. Right? We see an opportunity to go preach somewhere. That's what we do. But notice the Bible says they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia. So here they are. Why are they trying to go? Because we're trying to go preach. That's what we do. We're living out our purpose. But the Spirit, watch this, did not permit them. I'm asking you the question, can the Lord tell you what to do? You're just going to go preach everywhere because you want an opportunity to preach. You're just going just to sing everywhere because you just want to sing somewhere. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, these last days, it's going to be very important for us to always be where God wants us to be. 
always be where we're supposed to be and not find ourselves out of place, out of God's will. I'll show you why in a minute. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Verse 8. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood over, stood and pleaded with, with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had had the Lord had what? called us to go preach the gospel to them. Now, they were already called to preach the gospel. General purpose. General purpose. They're called to preach the gospel. But we understood God called us to preach the gospel to them. So that's why I can't just go anywhere and just preach. That's why I can't... Listen, listen to me. Y'all listening? Y'all listening? I can't just go anywhere I'm invited. And people, sometimes if you're not a head pastor or whatever, and you're a minister, and you're just looking at anybody going to give me an opportunity, I'm going to just go preach everywhere. Hold on, hold on, hold your horses. You better make sure you're going where God called you to be. Because you're not going out there for a check, you're going out there on assignment. I'm going to just hit, I'm just hit ain't, ain't no checks in most places anyway, anyway so don't, don't get, just get, get out of your mind. You're going out there on assignment. Because if you don't go on assignment, there's no grace on you. It's, you might preach well, but it's not going to go over well at all. Because you must go where God tells you to go. God called us to preach the gospel, continue, to them. Notice this specific assignment. Beyond their general purpose, a specific assignment. Let the Lord tell you what. Now, let me give you this one last thing real quick. Go to Acts, go back to Acts 9. Go back to Acts 9. Because what you and I want to do in closing is make sure we're doing what God assigns us to do, where and when he tells us to do it. Did you catch what I said? We're doing what he assigns us to do, where and when he tells us to do it. Okay? Because if we're doing that, then Satan can't stop us. And I'm going to show you here, he will try. This is why I'm telling you it is important for us to hear the voice of God and only do what he's telling us to do. Because if you go out and do something on your own, you can, you can be out there, you're going to be out there by yourself. I was talking to Apostle Derber a couple days ago, and we were talking about, you know, things that are happening up there at uh, Faith Victory in Frankfurt. They're uh, doing some, they're, you know, still working on phase two, and they're, uh, uh, they're putting up drywall, and all these kind of great things are happening up there in phase two. And I was telling him, he was talking about, because he heard about what we're doing here. And I told him, I said, well, you know, we're just, we're just maximizing where we are. We're maximizing where we are. We're, we're improving. I mean, I know if y'all saw uh, part of the fences down, they dropped all of, uh, did all of the fencing supplies come in today? Okay, so all the fencing supplies are in today, and the guy already started working. We're, we're, we're doing, taking care of this property. We're maximizing, and I, I told you, everything we're doing, so we're doing it. I'm not, I don't just sit here and make you promises and tell you something, and we're not doing it. We're doing everything we're said. And I told him, I said, I said, we're maximizing where we are. I said, because God hasn't told me to build something else yet. 
See, so I'm not going to go out there and jump just because, well, we crowded or, well, well, you know, I'm just tired of this building. We're going to do something. Because you do that, you're going to be out there on your own. We're only going to do what God tells us to do. We can't be hasty. Okay? All right. Acts 13. I'm sorry, Acts 9. Are you there? Okay. 20, verse 23 through verse 30. Now, this is, we just read Acts 9 earlier, right? This is where the story started with Saul. And Saul, he, remember the Lord said, arise, go down there to the city, and I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. And what happened? God sent Ananias, right, to go down there and pray, lay hands on him. Uh, the scales fell off his eyes, and he told him everything God wanted him to know. So Paul, Saul, he immediately starts preaching. He doesn't waste any time. He starts preaching, all right, because God, that's what God told him to do. Now watch verse 23. This is, this is, this is not many days now. Watch. It says, now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Now, he was their boy. Just a few days ago, he was their boy. He was their ace hitman. But they turned on him. He's in God's will. He's over on God's side now. Now, now let me say, throw this in. He, he already thought he was on God's side. What everything he was doing, he thought he was doing God's work. That's why he was so zealous about it. But he found out that wasn't God's work. Now he's doing God's work. And now the Jews, the Bible says, they plotted to kill him. So when you get in your assignment, the devil is mad. and He's going to be seeking to kill you. But their plot became known to Saul. Revelation came to him. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. So he escaped. Because he was on assignment. Verse 26. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted... I mean, this, is, this man's got a hit on his life. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. So even though the devil tried to kill him, he couldn't. Why? Because he's in the assignment. He's in the assignment. And that's the point I'm trying to make to you. If you and I get out there on our own, I, 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 I admonish you, don't get on a plane to go fly somewhere God didn't tell you to go fly. I'm talking about preaching. You know, you don't, you don't do, I'm not talking about your vacation. You probably you need to ask God about that too. But I'm talking, I'm talking about just because you, I'm a preacher, so I'm just going to go preach everywhere. Well, wait a minute. Did God tell, is that your assignment to go do that? Because of his grace is on you in your assignment. Are you catching what I'm saying to you? Because, because Saul was in his assignment, God just kept on keeping it. I will say this last thing in close. I contend to you, the reason Paul did die was because he broke that. He left the assignment. You remember God had told um, 
Paul, Saul, that he, he would appear before Caesar. And to preach. God had told him, your, your ministry, you're going to stand before kings for me. To preach the gospel. And yet what happened, remember the Bible says that this prophet named Agabus showed up to Paul where Paul was. Took his belt off and tied Paul's hands together and said, Paul, the man whom I'm tying these, these bands, I'm tying his hands up, if he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to die. And Paul said, I'm ready even to die. <sighs> now, God had told Paul by then, don't go to the Jews no more. Y'all missing it. God already told Paul, I'm sending it to the Gentiles. Why even bothering the Jews? Go, don't go over there. I'm sending it to the Gentiles. But Paul's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm, I ain't scared of them. And that's when he, he saw his fate when he went, to, went there to the, to the Jews. They arrested him, and that's how he ended up now on this journey to his death, where he could have just simply gone to Rome because he's a Roman citizen. He could have gone preach before Caesar and kept on going. But now he went there on trial. You just read your Bible. Now, I, I, how many of y'all have watched The Chosen? I don't know if you've made it to the episode where Jesus, uh, I think this might be season two or something, where he was dealing with his cousin John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was, was kind of a hothead, a zealot guy. And Jesus, was, Jesus kept saying, John, are you sure you want to go do that? And John was like, I'm going to go preach. I'm, I'm going to go tell Harry about their business. Jesus, in the movie, kept, are, are you sure you really? No, don't, don't do that. This, this is not a good idea. And John was all zealous about it, and he lost his head. He didn't listen to Jesus. He literally lost his head. <laughs> my, my point to you is that when you and I veer away out of our assignment, we make ourselves pray to the, to the wicked one. As long as we stay in our assignment, the wicked one will come, but no weapon formed against us will prosper. Y'all got it? Let the Lord tell you what to do. Don't let your zeal lead you. Be led by the Spirit of God. Even if it deviates from your plan, let God direct your steps. Amen? Well, give God a praise. That's all the time we have. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come on, give God a praise tonight for the Word of God. I want to make sure I'm walking with God and letting him order my steps. And tell me what to do. Amen. And don't let just my zeal drive me, but be led by the spirit of the living God. Amen. Father, thank you tonight for the word we've received. I thank you that your people have had their ears and their hearts and their eyes open to the word. And I thank you that God, uh, because we love your word, we are not offended by any part of it. And I pray, Father, that the word uh, saturates our hearts and produces in us the life you want it to produce. And I pray that each and every one of us will have uh, our ears continuously open to hear your voice, to direct us in our assignment. Lord God, thank you that, God, we go beyond just knowing our purpose, but listen for the specifics of our assignments. What would you have us to do? And God, as you reveal that to us, we will submit, we will obey you, and we will do your will. And I pray, Father, that as we do that, we know that you'll continue to keep us and, and protect us, bless us, Thank you that God will not be provision-minded, but we will be assignment-minded. Yes, 
and do your will all the days of our lives, knowing that you will take such good care of us, Father. We love you and we appreciate all you've done. Continue to bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Praise God. All right.